The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today is the senator from the great state of Maryland. Chris Van Hollen is here. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? Well, good morning, Zerlina. Great to be with you. So first, my first question is, what happened back in May? Um, in in May, uh, you tweeted out that you felt lightheaded during a speech. Take us through what you were feeling um, and how, you know, what was going through your mind and how your body was feeling because you powered through the speech. Um, but it turned out you were you were having a minor stroke. Well, that's right. I was giving a speech in Western Maryland. Uh, over 100 people were there. And I was about maybe two minutes into the speech when I began to feel lightheaded. Uh, then I felt a pain down the sort of left side of my neck. And my ears began to pop a little bit like on an airplane. And I had to make a split second decision as to whether or not to try to power through or just to leave the stage. And I put my arm on the side of the podium. I kind of moved from the back of the podium to the side of the podium, put my arm on it to rest and steady myself and, and, and powered through. Wasn't a bad speech, pretty good speech. Uh, but afterwards I felt, uh, you know, progressively worse over a period of about an, an hour uh, or more. And finally, uh, you know, I felt so lousy that I decided to call uh, a doctor uh, and the doctor, you know, ran through the symptoms with me and told me I should check myself into the emergency room. And thankfully, my wife, Catherine, uh, drove me there and it all turned out to be OK after, you know, about a week. But it, 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 it was a minor stroke. So bleeding in the brain and uh, obviously a serious and scary episode. Did you have any awareness before your experience of what the symptoms of a stroke were? I had some idea of what the symptoms were, but I didn't know whether I was experiencing exactly that, right? I mean, I think all of us have felt lightheaded uh, from time to time. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't until they got progressively worse and then I felt very nauseous, um, even without a stomach ache. And really that's the point at which I, I called the doctor. So I, I, I knew that this was uh, not very not normal, uh, but I didn't know if it was not normal enough to to call somebody. But uh, and a lot of us, I think, have a tendency, including myself, to say, "Eh, you know, it's gonna, it's just gonna pass. It'll go away." Um, I'm glad I did not this time because uh, obviously it was serious. Yeah, it, I mean, and the thing with the stroke is um, the speed uh, that you decide to. Um, seek treatment for a stroke. I mean, every single minute matters in terms of brain health. And it's so crucial that you you did at least call the doctor and be like, hey, something weird is happening because um, every single expert will tell you you, you want to get to the emergency room as fast as possible. 
What have you learned about, um, you know, strokes and stroke risk? And what do you um, want your constituents to know, um, their family members to know, so that they can look out for for some of these symptoms? They're, they're, you know, there's a vast array of symptoms that are related to even a minor stroke. But there are some telltale signs. What have you learned about strokes that you want people to know that you didn't know before? Well, you're right. There are, there are a vast array of different kinds of strokes. And I was fortunate, um, you know, along the spectrum. Mine was a, a minor stroke. It was not the result of a, you know, a blood clot. Um, it was a, a tear in the vein, one of the veins, not an artery. Uh, but uh, I... I, I think it is important for everybody to educate themselves about the symptoms. You know, I did not have any previous medical history. So there was not sort of a, a warning uh, that I was at risk for this. Um, and the good news for me is the doctors say there's nothing to indicate that I'm at risk going forward. I, I think the, the main lesson for me is when you're experiencing symptoms like the ones I had or maybe other symptoms that that could relate to a stroke that is you just you just have to call you got to go to the emergency room uh and check it out in my case i went they did a ct scan uh they that's when they found it and they said now you're going to be here in the hospital for at least a week uh, we have to monitor you uh because the concern they had for me was that beyond a tear there could have been an aneurysm which is a more serious uh, form of a stroke so Again, bottom line for me, uh, don't do what so many of us do, which is say, eh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. Because as you say, time, time is of the essence, especially where operations are needed or surgeries needed. So that, that is my main takeaway. And, you know, just be more conscious of how, what your body's telling you. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the acronym that most, most folks will, will tell you to remember, and I just, just put this in your brain, catalog it there. You never know when you're going to need this information, but it's fast, which is helpful because you want to be quick about it. Um, but it's face, arm, speech, time. So you're going to ask the person to smile. You're going to ask them to raise their arms over their head. You're going to see if they are slurring their speech, and you're going to do the emergency care necessary as quickly as possible. Um, because you want to get them the treatment they need as fast as they can. I mean, I feel like this, this is an issue that may come up even more frequently, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation. Full disclosure, the audience knows this, but you may not. But my mother um, suffered uh, two strokes, massive strokes, one, one on one side, and then when she was in the hospital recovering, had another stroke. Um, and so our family was in the, in, is in the unfortunate situation where it, you know, it was a disabling stroke um, and she requires full-time care. And because I don't want anybody else's family in that situation, I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, your experience so that people can be educated so they know what to do. I mean, what's your advice to even family members? I mean, now that you've actually lived through it, um, do you, do you uh, want other people um, out there and family members to understand what to look for so that like your wife <laughs> did, you know, they can quickly know to go to the emergency room. Yes. I think it's important that, you know, family members, uh, you know, make themselves aware of different symptoms. And when 
you know, when a loved one is saying, ah, don't worry, it's going to go away, a family member should say, no, we really should uh, get it checked out. You know, one of my colleagues uh, in the Senate, uh, Senator Ben Ray Lujan from mm-hmm. New Mexico, uh, had experienced a stroke uh, earlier. And, you know, we've compared notes uh, since then, and we are trying to educate, uh, you know, people about the lookout, you know, the signs uh, of a stroke. And as you know, one of our Senate candidates uh, in Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, experienced a serious stroke and now is he's on the campaign trail. But uh, I, I do think that family members, all of us, um, just need to be aware and on the lookout uh, for signs. And again, one of the lessons here is there are different kinds of strokes, but all of them need to be taken uh, seriously. Yeah, if, if, especially if, if somebody is feeling lightheaded, like you said, and, and experiencing some of the other symptoms you talked about. Um, but again, it's the acronym is FAST. It is very easy to remember. And, and because it's FAST, remember, you want to be quick about it. So it's face, arms, speech, time. Um, I want to turn to the topic of the Inflation Reduction Act um, because, you know, there is a lot going on in the world. Um, there's monkeypox. There, I read about West Nile virus. There's polio. There's COVID. There's January 6th and the fallout and Trump's legal um, issues. But then on the flip side of that, there is the Inflation Reduction Act. There's actually a Democratic um, majority Congress and White House that are doing stuff. They're doing a lot of things, um, governing the country. Can you take us through some of the benefits as you see them of the Inflation Reduction Act um, in the short term and and even down the road? Yes, and you're right. The last uh, the last two years, and you know, especially the last three weeks, uh, turned out to be an enormously productive time um, in the United States Congress. So we passed a major veterans' health bill uh, to help veterans who've been exposed to burn pits and other toxic substances. Uh, We passed a major bill called the Chips and Science Act, uh, which is to bring home critical manufacturing uh, in microchips, semiconductors. And then we recently passed the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which does really three big things. Uh, One, it will significantly bring down the cost of prescription drugs for people on Medicare, finally giving the Medicare program the power to negotiate drug prices, uh, which is what the Veterans Administration already does on behalf of our veterans. Second, it it calls and will provide a major increase in our investment in clean energy. We need to deploy clean energy much more quickly uh, in order to meet the challenges of climate change. And it also uh, takes some early steps to reform a very broken tax code, finally requiring big corporations, uh, very profitable corporations uh, to pay more of their fair share in taxes. Some of our biggest corporations were paying zero uh, in income taxes. And when you add all that up, it actually reduced the deficit by over $300 billion. So this is a, a, a major piece of legislation that I think will be of great benefit to the American people. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time coming. I'm like, how many more once in a lifetime storms, do we all have to survive before the Congress does a thing on climate change? We all we we know that the obstruction is coming from one side of the aisle, plus Joe Manchin. Um, but in this instance, you know, he and Senator Schumer, Majority Leader Schumer, were able to come together and negotiate this package, which wasn't all a build back better, but is part of it. What are the items that didn't get included that you hope, you know, you 
when when the Senate returns from recess, you're able to, you know, come back and sort of hash out additional policies because universal child care, paid leave, those are things people are definitely going to need. We were just talking to a doctor about long COVID and sort of how what's happening right now is a mass disabling event in a lot of ways. People are going to need those resources in the future. Um, is there any talks about bringing some of those policies back to the conversation when you return from recess? Well, this this was an enormous step forward, but as you say, there were important pieces uh, that were dropped um, along along that journey, uh, and there are major initiatives that I hope we can restore at some point. You mentioned uh, the child care provisions, making sure child care is affordable. Uh, there are the provisions uh, that would have extended the, the child tax credit, uh, which you know cut childhood poverty in half. We did that for a year. That's not good enough. We need to do it on a permanent uh, basis. Uh, there were important provisions uh, regarding you know, early education, universal early education. Uh, there were very important provisions dealing with affordable housing. So uh, there is still a lot more to do. But as you pointed out, uh, you need the votes to get it done. And we didn't have a single Republican senator willing to vote for even the narrower package of reducing the cost of prescription drugs and dealing with clean energy. So the only way we're going to be successful going forward um, is in some of those areas is to amend or get rid of the filibuster uh, because otherwise we're constrained by the rules of what's called reconciliation. So uh, the bottom line is uh, every vote counts and we hope that following the November elections, we'll have more Democratic senators in the United States Senate uh, so that we can amend uh, the filibuster and move on uh, with some of these other big pieces. Really, really critical. Um, so as, as we've already mentioned and alluded to, there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> um, it feels almost like in, just in the last week and a half, there's been some sort of whiplash in terms of just the amount of news stories that are very consequential um, too. It's not just like, oh, there's another Trump legal story in the headlines. It's like there was a search of the former president's home in Mar-a-Lago and there were SCI documents in the basement. Um, there's a new criminal investigation going on. When, when you as a sitting senator, um, you know, somebody who experienced uh, January 6th and now are a part of the Congress that is working through the select committee to try to hold people accountable and perhaps implement new laws to prevent that from ever happening again. I mean, do you ever wake up in the morning and go like, holy crap, <laughs> there's a lot going on that is unprecedented. It's not like, you know, four years, not four years ago, but like, um, you know, in a previous term, you were like, you know, you woke up and you looked at all the policy issues on your to-do list and, and you sort of tackle the day. Like it's not like that any, anymore. How do you sort of go about your daily, um, you know, to-do list, your task list with all of what's happening in the backdrop? How do you stay focused on what you're supposed to be doing in your job? Well, you're right. Uh, the word unprecedented is, is exactly uh, on target because we have these debates and have between Republicans and Democrats and you know different ideas on key policy issues. But really January 6th uh, put in focus the, the fundamental question about whether we're gonna survive as a democracy. And you know, for the first time in our history, you had a, 
a candidate, you know, former president Donald Trump, uh, trying to undermine and undo uh, the results of a democratic election. And that poison has not gone away. I mean, we've seen, you know, Republican controlled state legislatures around the country uh, passing new laws to make it harder uh, for people to vote. And of course, uh, we just saw, you know, Liz Cheney, uh, a member of the Republican Party who stood up to Donald Trump, uh, lose her race in Wyoming. So Trump has taken over the Republican Party. It is unrecognizable uh, in many ways. And it is a threat. Uh, he is a threat uh, to our democracy. Now, you've got these ongoing uh, legal issues. As you say, look, you've got the, you know, Donald Trump uh, essentially stashing away top secret documents, compartmentalized top secret documents in Mar-a-Lago. You have a case going on in Georgia where, you know, Trump and Giuliani and others uh, tried to interfere to overturn those results. Uh, and then you have other civil cases going on. So I, I hope that the judicial process um, will, will proceed. Nobody is above the law. And uh, we'll have to see how that, that, that plays out. I mean, unlike the Trump administration, the Biden Justice Department is completely independent. Uh, and they're just going to have to you know, pursue the rule of law and see where it leads. Important. Um, one of the last questions I have for you is the midterms are coming up. We all know. Um, but I feel like there's always a question about what is the Democratic message? Um, it's mainly because I think the Republicans, they always have a message because, you know, they can lie. So like, it's easier to come up with a well-crafted and rehearsed message that everybody can read from the same hymnal um, when you don't have to stick to like the facts and the nuance and the details. Um, it's easier. Um, but I'm always curious what, from the perspective of a sitting senator, the Democratic message is going into the midterm elections to energize the base of voters you need to turn out, not just generally, broadly, what's the message, but what's the message to specifically energize the base of the Democratic Party? Well, we're focused on two big things. First, you know, continuing uh, to make progress on improving the lives of everyday Americans and the bill we just passed to reduce the cost of prescription drugs uh, and bring down home energy uh, prices uh, by providing, you know, rebates for people who want to make their homes more energy efficient and save money um, is a step in that direction. Uh, we believe in an inclusive economy where everybody uh, has a chance uh, to make it, beginning with early education on through whatever future people want to pursue, whether it's through apprenticeship programs or community college or four-year college. And we, we truly believe in the American dream, but also making the investments necessary to make it real. We also want to contrast ourselves with where the Republicans are, because elections at the end of the day are about choices. And we've seen the extremism in the Republican Party. I mean, we've been talking this morning about, you know, Donald Trump and his extremism. And of course, uh, that has also infected the Supreme Court, which overturned Roe v. Wade. And now you have state legislatures uh, controlled by Republicans who are passing laws to outlaw abortion, even in the case of rape and incest and even where the mother's life is at risk. So. Uh, I think people can see the extremism uh, that has overtaken uh, the Republican Party, uh, and that is also very much uh, on the agenda. So on the one hand, you have Republicans who 
want to make the American dream real. Uh, on the other hand, you have Republicans who want to use government power in these state legislatures to take away people's freedoms and rights. And so I think there's a very clear contrast uh, set up for voters to, to choose from. I think there's a very clear contrast for sure. <laughs> um, I think uh, the, the hope that I have is that everybody's paying attention so that they can see that con contrast as clearly as you and I, I do in this particular moment. Um, I, I think I want to sort of circle back to where we started. So we started this, this conversation talking about your experience with the minor stroke. And we've, we've lived through the pandemic where, you know, people are, are getting sick every day. People are losing their family members every day. Is there any message you want to leave people with in terms of maybe how you view sort of the meaning of life a little bit differently after your experience, just because, you know, when you, when you do have a stroke, even a minor one, you're, you're faced with, um, you know, the fact that life is short and maybe we need a little more kindness. I don't know. What, what do you want to tell people um, given, given your experience just in the last few minutes here? Well, you're right. It, it, it definitely is a reminder um, that our time can be short and we need to, you know, prioritize uh, things that are important, um, including family and loved ones, but also when it comes to actions, you know, through, through the Congress uh, to make sure that we're addressing the needs of the most vulnerable among us. And just to really re reflect uh, more from time to time, I think all of us get up, get caught up in the immediacy of our lives. You know, we're in the 24, uh, you know, 24 hour news cycle, social media is constantly bombarding us. It is important to take a deep breath and think about what's important, both in our personal lives, but also, you know, what we want to do to help our community and our, our country. And so, you know, when people say it's good to see you these days, that has a, a whole new meaning. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, uh, I, I just, you know, it's not just a line. It's something that, um, you know, we, we need to reflect on and take seriously. Really, really good message. Senator Chris Van Hollen, the great state of Maryland, thank you so much for being here this thank morning, you. for talking to us about these important issues. Again, I want to repeat the acronym for, uh, for strokes. It's FAST, Face, Arms, Speech, Time, for the folks at home. I've also tweeted this information out. Um, thank you again for being here this morning. Um, it was really, really great to have you. Great to be with you. Thanks. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.